Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This episode is brought to you by Retention.com. Retention.com helps Shopify stores make more money by growing their email lists 20 times faster and sending 10 to 15 times more abandoned cart emails. Want to learn more? Check out Retention.com. Book a demo to get two times more audience credits for the first 60 days. Now, over to your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, welcome. My name's Nick. You're tuning into the wrong episode, if I'm honest. To have your first listen, this is the end of a series. Um, we've been doing three months in partnership with the guys at retention.com, talking about retaining customers, building lifetime value, and also generating more sales from those existing customers as well. I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest today, um, who I'm going to introduce now, and then we'll dive into what we're talking about. His name's Adam, and he is the founder of Retention.com. So Adam, welcome back to the show. Hey, Nick. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And I'm happy you've been talking so much about retention, as you can imagine. <laughs> it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I hope it is, because it's where you work all day, every day, and you put your blood, sweat, and tears in. So it's uh, <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. Hear. I mean, it's It's important. I, I don't think you could find a single person who owns a Shopify store who would disagree with that statement. Retention <laughs> is important. And then like, what a great name of your company, retention.com, if for every single person in your target market, they couldn't refute the statement, retention is important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. And remind <laughs> That's us, great marketing. Yeah, yeah, I think you told us last time, how much did that domain cost you guys? 800 grand. It was 800 grand. There we go. And you're over it now. But like, hey, man, (laughs) worth, worth every penny. Like we're experiencing this like out of body meteoric growth. And if we were called get emails, we would not be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I just know it. I just know it's like, it's like, I can't describe how this is happening and working. But like, I have this sort of picture in my head of like, viscosity of water, right? Or liquid, right? right? And there's thick liquid and then there's thin that flows very easily. It's like a name like retention.com like increases the viscosity of word of mouth, right? It makes like some orders of magnitude more likely to want to know what it is and then repeat it. I I describe a lot of things in business like this. I've never run an A-B test in my life. Is that interesting? (laughs) Nice, nice. I'm serious. Well, the, the problem we've got for everyone listening is Adam's made a few statements that I'm going to weave into today's conversation as well. A few statements before we hit record, so we are going to get those in. Um, but Adam, look, if anyone's not heard of you guys, I know what it says in the tin, you guys help Shopify merchants retain their customers. Give us a quick overview. What is retention.com? How does it work? And what was your background before you were doing this? Sure. So the core product is identity resolution, but that's not the application, if that makes sense. What identity resolution is, it's the ability to identify people on your website. The two applications, which are absolutely killer, are we help you identify email addresses of people that don't fill out forms, like 40% of your US traffic, which is 20 times better than a form. And then a problem that people don't know that they have is that card abandonment flows through Klaviyo are absolutely the most lucrative thing you could possibly send. The only people who are receiving those are people who are logged into your store, which is only 10 to 15% of people who are putting things in their cart and bailing. Now, if you think about everything that went in, basically everyone listening to this, your entire life 
is trying to get people to hit that add to cart button, right? <laughs> Every, everything that you do. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like I listened to this podcast with Joe Rogan and he was talking to this guru who's on a, on a campaign about topsoil. And it's impossible to argue that everything doesn't start and end with soil. In e-commerce, everything starts and ends with that add to cart button. Yeah. If you really think about it, nothing else matters. And you're going to let nine out of 10 people just walk. No way. No way, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like you have to use technology like this. And like we're the first people to show up with it in a mass market way. So those are the two problems that we solve and nice. uh, we can move on. Nice, nice. Now, it's why we've got you guys on. It's why we're doing this, um, This se- well, I say doing, why we've come to the end of this series. Um, we've been doing with you guys for three months. It's one of the longest series we've done, but it is so important. I think just to add my own analogy on top of that, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, is if you imagine your customer base like a snowball, the bigger that snowball starts to get, the more money you should be making. And I think, as you say, Adam, one thing is getting more snow on the ball and the second thing is getting that ball moving faster. So that's getting more customers in through the, you know, the identifying who they are. Um, and the second thing is getting more from them as well. So then actually converting those those email addresses into uh, into traffic. Now let's let's get the elephant out of the room. I'm I'm British. I'm sitting here just outside London in the UK. Um, we're not allowed to use retention.com, are we? Well, you can use it for your American traffic. It's not illegal. Like this is these are like local legislations that have to do with local internet. So like a lot of UK businesses have a substantial market presence in the US because the US is such a big market. You are totally fine. And by the way, like you need to do your own legal work. Like I'm not, yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a lawyer. Like I always like to say that when I start like yapping about about compliance yeah, yeah. and legislation. I'm not a lawyer. Do your own legal work. But like you can go to retention.com/legal and check out the laws in the U.S., which is the only thing that applies to us. But IPs are ring fenced. Every email has a U.S. address. Um, we will not give you U.K. emails. You can use it for your U.S. traffic. You can't use it for your U.K. traffic. I mean, it wouldn't do any. It wouldn't do anything if you put it on a UK website. It wouldn't do anything. You yeah, know? you just come back and say, "I have no you US I mean? email addresses yeah. to give you." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Nice, nice. Well, look, I said we'll do a little intro, and then we'll come on to what we're talking about today. So, for everyone listening at home, we are going to go back through a couple of, I say, a couple, probably six, seven of the episodes we've had over the last three months. Um, we're going to go back through a few, and I'm going to ask Adam some questions about those as well. So, I'm going to reference who we had on and what we were talking about, and then Adam, I'm going to hit you with a question as well. We're going to have a little discussion about something. Um, the first one I want to flag is purple mattress. So we had Chris and Dan on from who used to work at Purple Mattress. And Purple Mattress is a, a business in the US that just scaled like crazy. Um, it, it went from very small to very big within, I think, about three or four years' time. Um, I think they were both there for about five of that time. But my question really, Adam, is taking a product like a mattress... I mean, it goes without saying, you're only going to buy them once or twice every five years, depending on how many beds you have in your house. And even then, you, you unless you have people sleeping on those beds all the time, you're not going to change the mattress. So we call it a one-time purchase. And also when you change the mattress, you're going to go back to the same company, probably not. What, what, what are some of the things you guys do or some of the uh, things you see merchants doing, some of your clients you work with, with a one-time purchase product? What's an important thing to do to A, get them to buy and B, um, add as much value as possible throughout that process? Yeah, so we're retention.com, right? There's we do we have two applications that help brands with retention. I have a it's actually not what I consider the most accurate description of what retention for e-commerce is, like what we do. Yeah. It's higher in the funnel. You know what I mean? Like our stuff is kind of it helps you with pre-purchase, but it's like website retention. It helps you with slippage related to you driving traffic 
before it buys and sort of capturing that. So like for these mattress guys, like, I mean, you, you know, what is it? You need seven brand impressions to like get somebody to purchase or whatever. They have two choices. Either they keep buying it from Facebook or, you know, we can give them an email and they can like nurture them over email and Facebook and it'll go twice as fast. And then they definitely have people abandoning carts. There's no question about yeah. it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Who are not logged into their website, like a thousand percent yes. So in terms of how our product applies to them, I view it as the same as any other e-commerce business. They're trying to like capture this like middle of the funnel, you know, and make it just work a lot better, quite frankly. So like if you look at Yapo, have you ever, you know Yapo, right? Yeah, yeah. They sponsored our podcast as well. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So like they have six products related to what I would consider more pure play retention, like loyalty, rewards, you know, reviews, things like that, right? I, I would say for purple, I kind of agree. Like if you're only going for one purchase, like all of that stuff, like I might concentrate elsewhere. Like I think it's really important to have reviews. Like, you know, every everything, really, I, I think they're dead on. It's like, of course, you know, you're not going to try to drive someone to buy a second mattress. Unless you're like the, they're the Canadian guys who have hush mattress, hush blankets. Oh, I'm sorry, mm. it's not even, oh, they yeah, sell yeah. mattresses now. But like, mm. if you created a sleep suite of products, then 1 million percent you want to drive retention, right? So like, look, if all you're ever going to build, uh, if all you're ever going to build and sell are mattresses, like, I think they're dead on. But like, I, I think that anybody, I, I would just... There's a reason these hush blankets guys started making mattresses and pillows and everything else. It's yeah, like yeah. a tangential, completely adjacent, solving a similar problem. You know, like yeah. uh, lining line extension. I think would make sense at some. You know, whatever. It's not my business, but that would be the only case in which I would think heavy investment retention makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love the fact as well you split retention into two things. So one is re- almost like retaining their. Um, their engagement, their, their attention of the customers to get them to continue to engage until they purchase, which is where you guys can see get hold of the email address early. Or like you say, in, unfortunately, in countries like where I am, we have to we have to pay, keep paying Facebook to do that sort of thing. Or, which we did have another guest on, um, you know, over the last few weeks, talking specifically about user experience on the site. Make it so good people want to come back. Um, we're going to talk about what to put in an email a bit later as well, because I think that that's an important point to put on this. Certainly, whether, whether it was abandoned basket or it was a banner basket with login either way if you've got their email address you then need to tell that story and i think we should look at that story in uh, in a minute but i, lo- I love the idea of this the, the suite of products and offering offering additional products and that sort of thing certainly works quite well but i think as you say the usp really is there isn't it if if you have 40 percent of email addresses of 40 percent of your traffic has been on the site you're gonna you're gonna get some you're gonna get some sales unless you're a complete idiot when it comes to when it comes to email marketing well um, yeah i mean idiot's a strong word right like mm. i think um <laughs> it's a very british word as well yeah yeah but like you can be to, to me it's like like our product if you are already crushing it, it will make you crush it so much harder. I think a lot of things exist in the world like that. And it's like the nature of company scaling. Like you can't give good advice to a bad business. A bad business is like pre-product market fit, right? So our product is one of those things that the harder you're crushing it, the harder it will crush for you. True. Because like the more amplification, like the more money there is, the more money can be amplified. Like, 100% growth rate of 
$400,000 a month of abandoned cart revenue is much better than 100% growth rate on $400 more abandonment revenue. So like, uh, this is what I always say about our product. It's like, if you don't have traffic, we can't resolve your anonymous traffic. If you can't convert email, then at some point you will stop paying for email addresses. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the, the idea of growing your list is very seductive in the beginning. So it's like, it's like the people who want, who want, right? Like the internal desire for our product the most is right when they start. Cause they're like, I want a fucking email list, right? Like I need it. Right. Cause they, they yeah, hear yeah. email marketing, this, that, and the other, but it's like, it doesn't work for them because they, they don't know how to convert email yet. They don't have an yeah, email yeah. list. Of course they don't know how to convert. So it's like the shocking thing to me, these Portland leather good guys who you're talking about, like, yeah, yeah. We'll come on to them in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like they, they were a weird case where they were spending millions of dollars a month on ads and they had a, a 30,000 person email list they were sending to once a week, like a company like that, like they usually have, like we see a million and a half, 2 million active on their list, maybe 6 million total, something like that. Like they, they're, they're an anomaly, but like generally I feel like there's email marketing's preached enough in the DTC world that like, by the time people have this thing really hammering, they know, you know, they, they've dialed that, that, that has been part of what got them there, if that yep. makes sense. It's yeah, weird yeah. that these Portland leather guys got there totally on ass. <laughs> we'll, come, to we'll come on to them in yeah. a minute because there's a lot of interesting things about those guys. The thing, I'll, the thing I'll flag quickly, and you, you've hit the nail on the head, and this is not just retaining customers or even Shopify. Is when you're, when you're looking to scale up a business, you, you spoke about making sure the business can be scalable and the scalability of it. If you've got a problem or you're making a loss right now, you're going to scale that thing. So like you say, if you can't convert email right the way through to if you're making a lot of financial loss, and I, I've had so many businesses that have approached us as an agency and said, we need more customers. And we're like, no, you don't. You've got a problem here. Your margins are 10%. I'm not going to be able to sell your product and get you a 10 to 1 ROI to break even, might I add. And we've got other clients where like we're making them a profit or they're just above break even. And Google ads, like we, we, we are sweating over this for them. Like we're making this thing work really, really hard. And then they're there going, oh, we just break even at the end of the year. And we're like, but no one's bought a second time or a second product from you. That's the problem. So if you were to scale that up, say you take it from $1 million a year to $20 million a year, but you've made a loss of $100,000, you're now making a loss of $2 million. You've got a scaling problem. And also as you scale, things are going to get more expensive. You need way more resource in so many different areas. So I think the scalability especially is such an important one. It's one of the first things I always say to Shopify store owners is you need to, you need to nail what your product is, who you sell it to, how you sell it, and what makes people buy and what doesn't make people buy. And if you need to spend some money to find that out, get spending and find out. And then, then they need people like you, you and us to really grow them from there on, I think. It's, it's hard when people turn to you and say, we, we're not making enough money, so we want retention.com for more email addresses to make more money. And you're like, but you're going to pay us, then you're going to have to pay more for your email because you'll be sending more emails, you're going to need more segmentation, all the rest of it. But you're not making any profit already. You're going to add all these extra costs in. It's not really going to solve your problem, is it? There's a, I think there's a, uh, there's a bigger thing going on in this whole conversation, right? Like, I had okay businesses until six months ago. They were they were good, not great. Um, I think that so few people have experienced what it's like to be inside of a great business that it's very easy to look at what great businesses are doing and think that you should do that to an average business. You shouldn't. Like it, you should only scale a great business. And what a great business feels like 
this is what this guy Santosh, who works for us now, he like built Zoom Info and three other data unicorns. He's like, I've worked on a lot of companies. The ones that are great, every single door you open, there is a beaming, glowing light of opportunity to the point you can't believe it. Like we're on calls every week and we're like, I cannot believe that this is like three times what I thought it was last week, right? Like it's just incredible, right? And it's hard to describe what that's like. Every problem we're trying to solve is literally because we're drowning in demand. It's not because our supply chain's fucked and we can't meet the demand because of that. It's literally because like people are pulling it out of us so fast that we need to hire talented people to deal with it because Diane and I are getting, you know, so it's like, that is, <laughs> that is a different problem than someone coming to you and saying, uh, I need better margin. You know what I mean? It's like these yeah, fun, yeah. like, like when, yep. when someone comes to an agency with a prop, like we go to agencies and we're like, we think that if we rebrand, it will make this thing even more mm. ridiculous, right? Like it's like yeah. the, the visualization I have is like there's a dam and it's like a walled up demand and you're just a great company. You're pulling bricks out and like the the water starts coming through and you're just pull. It's like yeah, you're yeah. not repairing the dam, <laughs> right? Like yeah. like it's two totally separate problems that a great business has and and an average business has. And if what you're doing is solving problems. Please don't scale. It will just ruin your life. Like, <laughs> if literally what it feels like is everything you're working on is just like pulling another brick out of this dam and water is just pouring through it as fast as possible, scale the shit out of it. Work with a guy like, like you will, you will be able to take a company like that and make them look heroic. Yeah, yeah. We just got a new client in that's got exactly that. They're getting a 16 to one. And we said, why are you reaching out to us? And they were like, our current agency can't grow us anymore. And we're like, great, that is an awesome problem. And we had a look at it and basically where it's out, your current agency are rubbish and they don't know what they're doing. And some very simple changes like, don't get me wrong, on Shopify, why don't we install Google Analytics and get some e-commerce tracking in there? <laughs> You'll make way more. They're making a 16 to one without that. And their margins are like 50%. But then, and we can scale that. But like the message is like, businesses mm. like that exist and they're possible. Yeah, yeah. Like that, like, like that is, should be the bar before you decide to slam your foot on the gas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like something like that, right? Like uh, if, if the problems are so fundamental as we need more customers or like we have negative <laughs> gross margin, it's like, man, back to the drawing board, right? Like yeah, this yeah. is not something that, that, that needs to be bigger at this point. The world is sending a message to not mm. do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, absolutely. dude, it's your ego, it's patience. It's like, look, I've been there. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know what it's like. Like, I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. It's been going incredible for six months. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, like one, yeah, yeah. one 20th of the time that I've been doing this, it's been great. The other times, it's been varying degrees of me pounding my head against Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm similar. I'm, I'm 15 years in, and I would say the last three years have been awesome. <laughs> before yeah. that yeah was, yeah no but that's, this, this yeah, is yeah. the journey that we're on right exactly. like this is what we do and, and it's like trying to convey the, this message that there's nothing wrong with that yeah, but yeah, like absolutely it's like just uh you know if you try to get ahead of yourself you will make your life fucking miserable in like yeah. so many different ways yeah all really useful i think that the last the last point i'll make quickly about shopify stores as well when you talk about like is this thing scalable the last thing that springs to mind that i want to sh- flag quickly and it'd be good to find out 
how this applies to your customer base, to your merchants you work with on Shopify as well. I think a lot of a lot of merchants get very tunnel visioned on something like they they think that they think a business opportunity is I could get this product, sell this product, or produce this product. And even if all those things were true, what they don't look at is is they don't they don't go online and go, okay, we're going to sell hats, and there are billions of companies around the world, maybe not billions, but at least tens of millions selling hats already. There's nothing different about ours. And if in fact, and we, we've had this a, a little bit in the past where uh, companies have approached going, we've got 10 million pounds or dollars worth of investment. Like we want to spend it all on marketing. Let's go. And we're like, there's nothing unique about you. And in fact, you're buying, you're buying the product from the same factory in China as everybody else. And it's the same color. Did you design this yourself? No, we didn't even have to do that. Everyone like uses the same design. You're like, would, there's no reason to come to you. You're right. more expensive. Yeah, you're less experienced. You've got no reviews. Like, There's no USP on this at all. Whereas a bit like we were saying before we hit record on this as well, and I think it's a good, good time to touch, touch on this for you guys, is I asked, uh, and just for everyone's benefit, I asked Adam the question before we hit record, like, what happens if they change the compliance rules and you guys can't sell or grab email addresses and sell those email addresses on before? Does retention.com fall apart? So if you think that that's the case, it should give you even more reason to use this now while you still can. They're not going to make a law that makes it illegal. They're not going to make a law that basically says you're in trouble for something that was legal before that is not legal now as the brand. So, so by the way, like first and foremost, I have spent probably a hundred hours with attorneys that are a thousand dollars an hour examining every single corner of this as not a lawyer. The people that are afraid of it have not spent a dollar or one hour. <laughs> so anytime that an expert has an understanding of something that's totally different than the masses, which have done no work on it, that makes me feel pretty good. Another thing that I love about it selfishly is it keeps people out of the market that we're in because yep. they don't, yeah. they're afraid of it and they're afraid it's going to change. Like, look, here are the facts. It is a fast moving area. That is for sure. It is very difficult to understand. That is for sure. Um, the third fact is all of the good brands, it's made it totally through their legal and we have not been shut down by one legal department. <laughs> Those are three facts, right? The moral of the story for the merchants is like, look, if it gets, it becomes illegal, I'm screwed. <laughs> this company that I think is going to be huge will stop existing, right? Like, uh, you know, I have no investors, so they're not going to be fucked. It's just going to be me and my, you know, but like, I don't believe that's going to happen. The merchants, they're not going to be affected at all. They just won't be able to use our technology anymore. Yeah. They'll just walk onto the next thing. But like, look, at the end of the day, these legislations at the state level, this is my interpretation. It's all like, first of all, all of the state level legislation is 25 million in revenue and above. This is something that's totally misunderstood by almost everybody. Like I imagine most of the people, there are probably some stores that have more than 25 million that are listening to this. My sense is that most of the stores that are listening to this have below 25 million in annual revenue. I, I, I would, I would guess. So like, by the way, this California stuff doesn't even apply to you. So like, that's number one. <laughs> number two, if you want to be hyper careful, this idea of consent is what's driving all of this. There is an, an app called Cookie Pro. It's OneTrust is like the leader in navigating, you know, through software, this compliance. They have an app called Cookie Pro, which probably a, listeners may have on their website already, where 
you know, it tells you about cookies in hitting accept. We have two sentences in our dashboard that very accurately describes what we do. And people accept that cookie pro thing with like a 98% opt-in rate, right? Yeah. They're literally, so you can literally get people to opt in to doing this. There's no gray area anymore when people are opting into that, right? Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. It's, it's so anyway, um, and, and why I feel comfortable, just as the last thought, is like the law is moving in a way that just doesn't touch what we're doing. Like email is there's no there's no scenario where at the federal level it becomes opt-in. That's just the reality. They reviewed can spam in 2019. They got bigger fish to fry. They're doing, you know, it's just it's changing, but it's it's like the 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 oil tanker is like moving in a direction away from where it would matter to us. It's moving <laughs> and it's moving fast. But like it's not moving this mm. way, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good metaphor. Um, but yeah, if you're worried about it, use it now while you can. That's my only advice. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the other thing as well is as soon as if people use it today and say in in three weeks it was all banned and they couldn't use it anymore, retention.com shut down. Um, even then, over those three weeks, anyone that has purchased the product, opted into marketing, you've got them all anyway. There's no reason not to give it a yeah. go, I think. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're afraid which you should not be, but if you're afraid, <laughs> yep. then use it now while you can, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like, and, and bringing that round to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this in really smoothly now to our next question about one of our other guests we had on in the last, last few months. Um, Postscripts we had on, and those guys were talking a lot about SMS marketing. So you mentioned a few interesting things before we started recording as well about SMS. How does retention.com deal with it? Because you, you, you might have the information, but you can't sell phone numbers, can you? SMS is double opt-in. And what does that mean to someone that's never heard double opt-in? In order to send a marketing uh, communication over SMS, you need to have a saved, like they need to have opted in on your website and then you need to send a message to them and ask them again over the SMS channel to say that they want to see the, receive these communications. Double opt-in rate's pretty good. I mean, if you asked, if you if you give them your number on the website, pretty high odds you'll you'll also give them on the phone. But that's the nature of it. Email is not that in the U.S. It's not even required that you have a first party opt in period for email. So it's totally different in terms of compliance. And the carriers take this stuff very seriously. Like the carriers in the U.S., it's like if people are complaining about your SMS that you're sending, it can be a very big problem. So. The vendors who facilitate SMS, like Postscript, have to be very strict. They should. So um, I've talked about shifting to our product and because uh, that was a question you asked. We solve two problems, right? We solve for that first problem that I said, which was growing your email list. Uh, for people that don't, don't fill out a form, can't do that. We cannot give you a phone number of someone that, that doesn't fill out a form because that doesn't meet this, these laws. Everything we do is super compliant. Like the reason we give email addresses is because it's legal, right? Like we don't give phone numbers because it's not legal for you to send to these phone numbers. However, there is the, for the other application, which is audience expansion for abandoned carts is the way to describe that, right? Like we're allowing more abandoned carts to get sent. They're getting sent to two audiences. One audience is the audience that's like the top of the funnel product of people that is not on your list yet, right? People that are not on your list yet. 
there's another audience of people that are not logged into your website. It's people who are on your list, but they're on a different device and they're cruising around, looking at stuff, putting it in their cart. For those people, another thing identity resolution does is it ties everybody's devices all to one identifier, right? So Adam on a laptop is also Adam on another laptop is also Adam on my phone is Adam on my tablet. So that's, that's a large percentage of people that are abandoning that are not logged in. So we can send an event to attentive and postscript to start a flow for those people. And it's incredibly lucrative. It's like a great, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tiny sliver of what we do, but it is like for anybody who sets it up, they're glad they did kind of thing, you know, because it's real. It's, it's, it's very incremental, you know? And I think, I mean, certainly tying the devices together. I mean, there's that something we're going to mention them a few times. I'm going to talk specifically about them at the end is Portland Leather Goods. Um, one of the things that, that they were saying is that they, they've almost done away with attribution because of exactly what you've just explained. People changing devices, clicking through to a site from different places. We had a client who they were saying that PPC wasn't making enough money. So what we did is we said, right, turn off your 15% of your first order pop up. And PPC revenue shot through the roof, ROI went up, but total revenue was down. And what it was is people were coming to the site and it said, get 15% of your first order if you give us your email address. So they gave, they gave the email address, they got 15% of their first order. Yes, they're in the UK and we couldn't use retention.com. But because of that, as soon as we turned it off, email plummeted and so did direct. And it's because people were coming in from advertising, getting an offer, but to get the offer, you had to then click on an email or something else. So it was the whole attribution model. And, and yeah, the guys at Portland Leather Goods were saying they're almost getting rid of it. For exactly what you've just described, you're moving devices, you're shopping around. You mentioned earlier about seven touch points to make a decision to buy something with a brand. So you've got to be all over the place to do that. But as you say, the more you can control those in your own your own domain, and I don't mean like a website domain, but in your own sphere, um, is through things like email and SMS to actually get that message across, which is a much more powerful way of doing it. Plus, going back to the be a great business, if you've got a really good brand people are just going to remember. It's that sort of thing of, I'm looking for a new ba- laptop bag and I've been on several websites, but there's that one I can't forget. I, can't, I just keep, If I don't buy that product, I'm going to kick myself because they had a good brand, good product, and it, it, it ticks all the boxes. But it might be a bit too expensive. So I'm going to think about it for a few weeks, then I'm going to come back and buy it, let's face it. So I think there's that whole user journey, isn't there? And I think if you guys can connect that up by going... Well, we've got your email address. You've bought from us before, and now we can send an SMS or something as a result of you going through the cart today. It's a really powerful way to just almost just tip them over the edge. They've done everything to make a purchase apart from actually put their card in. That was the magic of Clavio, right? Like it made it easy to do that. And those are the most timely, personalized communications you could possibly send. Anytime somebody's like, aren't I emailing these people too much with these flows? It's like, (laughs) if you want to cut back, cut back on batch. Like every flow that you can send and you know, you don't want to send somebody a category abandonment. If they're abandoning to a product page, if they're abandoned, you know what I mean? Like, like you can't, there needs to be some, you know, only send them one a day or something, but like hit them at every point they could possibly leave down there. I mean, it's just the best. Yeah, yeah. And on that, we had had a lovely English guest on, Janice from Look Fabulous Forever. And one of the best questions I asked Janice, I think, is one of the best questions they've ever asked a guest is, Janice said they've got a 50% email open rate 
on their general newsletters, 50%. And I said, well, are you just sending like a monthly email? Do you build a lot of suspense around there? She said, no, we're emailing every single day. So I asked, how do you come up with 365 stories to tell? So these are the people that have purchased from you. And obviously we spoke a bit about segmentation and some other stuff. But I guess the big question for you, Adam, is if someone has come onto a website and they've done the ban and basket or they've been on the website and they've looked around and they've not purchased anything you guys have provided the email address and they're going to email them what are some of the things you should actually put into that email because it's not as easy as just sending an email going here's a product they're not just going to some might but they're not automatically going to buy it are they okay so is the question generally what should someone's abandoned cart look like two two parter one is that so what should you put in an abandoned cart email and the second question is, if there's not abandoned cart, they've just been on the website and haven't purchased, what, what kind of content should you be thinking about putting in that email? So I think with abandoned carts, you can get very complex with this journey if you want to, you know, come back for 15, you know, it's like the best practice. Like, I'm, I'm sure if you just like searched Google, <laughs> What should I put in my abandoned cart flow? Like you would get pounded with like very similar information. I don't really have insight. I guess the abandoned cart one's easier, isn't it? Because you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of it. yeah, yeah. It's like, but, but I would say as it relates to our product, if we're expanding the audience of an abandoned cart email, you don't need to change that at all. <laughs> just do whatever you're doing before and like hit these other people with it and it will work just the same as it Yeah, with a much bigger audience. Yeah. Right. What what is very cuz it's not that different, right? Like what is different is like these people at the top of the funnel, someone who filled out a form on your website should definitely be treated differently than someone who did not, right? And like it's a it's a perplexing question when you're sitting there asking yourself, how do I address these people? What we have found to work in that situation is if you just take your existing welcome series, which like there's best practices out there for that. I mean, you know, I think there's a thanks for subscribing. Maybe it has a coupon on it. Maybe it doesn't. And like maybe there's like the brand story is the second one or like the best sellers is the third. Like there's, you know, welcome series that work, right? Like we find that our technology works incredibly well by just copying that welcome series pasting it and changing the subject line of the first email to thanks for stopping by the site and letting it rip. And then if they engage with any of the first three emails, put them in your daily newsletter. And if they do not unsubscribe them and stop contacting them, that's like, that's been working for, for over three years, like a charm. And I think it's, it, it, in a way, it almost sounds counterproductive to say to someone in marketing, if they don't respond, just unsubscribe them, doesn't it? I mean, there's there's elements of you could email them a special special offer, wait till Black Friday, wait till Christmas campaign, something like that. But generally speaking, I, I've definitely seen it where you can do more damage by over-emailing than you can by under-emailing. But I think there's also an element of, as you say, hit hit them as much as you can with the relevant messages. The, the guys who are the best at emailing especially in this, if you want to call it a gray area of there's all shades of ways to email people who did not explicitly give you their email. The people who are the best at it would tell you at high volumes, it becomes a game of nurturing this body of engagers that you have and 
the faster it's about creating a high velocity situation where you're pulling out people at some threshold who are not engaging and you're putting people in as a small percentage of the total body of emails you're sending out. And that is how consumer cold emailing works. So sunsetting an email, like email deliverability is all about getting rid of people who are not engaging and, you know, trying to grow your, your, your group of engagers. So it sucks. It's painful, but it will work better. Like maintaining good list health is far better than not doing that. Hmm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, let's, we, we're running out of time a little bit, but I don't, we, we, I don't want to finish and we cannot leave without talking about Portland leather goods, as we've mentioned a few times. For anyone that didn't catch that episode, that is one of, genuinely one of the best episodes we've ever had on the podcast. These guys are absolutely nailing it in terms of what they're doing. Adam, over to you. Tell us about Portland leather goods. <laughs> so like I met these guys, uh, Triple Whale, who I'm sure everybody knows uh, who's listening because they're such a prevalent brand in, in the Spotify ecosystem. I'm friends with these guys and I sponsor all their physical events. And I went and spoke at this, uh, they, they had a blue whale group mastermind, like five to 50 million in revenue or above 5 million or whatever. These Portland leather goods guys were presenting and like this guy, Curtis was like, we're growing a hundred percent a year. You know, we did 35 last year. We're going to do 70 this year and 140 next year. And, this, and, and like, then his team, his email guy and his ad guy, which McCoy was the one who was on the thing. Like they, just like what they were saying, you're like, oh my gosh, like you guys are so smart. And, you know, I don't know what it, like, the interesting thing about them was they're, they just want to go so hard on stuff that's working. But like, kind of what I was saying before, it's like, in order for a product to work, you need, it needs, we need to be supplying you with a very small percentage of the overall flow you're sending out every day. The strange thing about this dude, or these guys relative to every other brand we've ever seen is they're like very large from revenue standpoint. They're very large from a traffic standpoint, but they were only sending out one email to 20 or 30,000 people every week. (laughs) And we could have given them like 50,000 contacts a week, (laughs) you know, like it's just, it was a weird imbalance. So, and these guys just want to keep crushing it as hard as they can, right? Especially into black Friday. There, Curtis is just sitting there going, go, 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 go. This is working. Go, 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 go. And I'm like, I'm not going to let you guys blow yourselves up. Like the worst thing that can happen to me is if this like really up and coming brand is going around telling everybody that like we blew their Clavio account. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hey. anyway, I, I have a great relationship with these guys. Uh, they're, they're just phenomenal customers. They're so smart, but it was a really interesting thing that kind of relates to like one of the other conversations that we were having earlier in this talk. It's like, you need to be crushing it over email for this to like, for all the stuff to work really well for you, you know? And like, these guys were crushing it, but like, they were very novice compared to like how developed their business was and everything else in the email department. I mean, just all, they're, they're so good because they're so smart and they're so thoughtful in their, you know, the energy of someone who is crushing it that hard. I mean, you can't stop talking about it. Like, yeah. you know, like you hear yeah, it from yeah, me yeah. too. It's like, man, like, it's just like so awesome to go into work every day. Cause like I'm focusing on this and it's just giving me so much back, you know, like the response for what, a, 
it's like we're we're doing something that the world very clearly wants, right? No, I, I, as I say, I found the conversation with them absolutely fascinating, and I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hit the stop button late enough. Um, when we got to the end, I think um, I have spoken to McCoy. He's he's going to come back on in the next next couple of months. We've got a got a slot in mind for him. So McCoy, if you're listening, we're we're, we're going to have you back. Oh, that email wasn't a, wasn't a joke. Um, but yeah, I think the thing the thing that they're doing. And if I could highlight one thing they're doing well, it's not it's not necessarily even like they've got the coolest email, they've got a really cool product. It's it's the one thing is everything. When they when I was talking to those guys, the whole business works in an ecosystem from okay, we're gonna have some problems getting hold of stock and product. What can we do? Oh, actually, we can use a waste product of the meat industry and the beef farming industry. We can use a waste product to make a really high-end product, which means we can get hold of it really cheaply, which means you won't be able to find a better price online than from us. Okay, you know, I was saying only about USPs. They got their first USP. Second thing, if you come on our site, we're going to send you good emails. And the thing they do that I love is it was McCoy and also um, they had this email chat, Matt Fay. Um, but Matt was saying that he just keeps testing, testing, testing. So he goes through this whole process of, um, okay, let's send an email out. Right, that didn't get very much um, traction. Let's just change one thing. Oh, we've got loads of traction now. What was that one thing we changed? One of the biggest things I learned from him about email as well is rather than just like, you know, we were talking earlier about welcome flows and things. That's one one type of email. One though is that kind of weekly or monthly campaign email where they've always got a story to tell. They've always got a new product, a new thing to push. And in each email, he said it will actually take him two or three days to send a single email because he'll he'll create the version one. He'll send it out to like 10% of the audience. Then he'll make version two based on what he learned on version one, send it out to the next 10% and then learn from that and send to the next 10%. And what he's often doing is working from the lowest priority customers to more like the VIP ones at the top and slowly working his way up. Um, but yeah, if you didn't catch that episode, anyone, go back and check that episode. It was absolutely amazing. And we're going to get McCoy back on um, as well in the future. Um, but look, I'm looking at the clock, Adam. Let's bring things into close there. It's, it's been an amazing three months. I want to say a massive thank you to you for coming on the show today and also to Retention as well for, for sponsoring, getting involved and being so proactive with us. So um, yeah, huge thank you from me and the team. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad we did it. Cool. And if uh, yeah, if anyone's listening, want to check out any of the episodes, they're live indefinitely. So it's the last three months. It was December through till end of February. Check out any of those episodes. If you want to reach these guys, retention.com. If you're not based in the US, there's still an opportunity to use their tech. So why not reach out and have a chat? anyway but um yeah thanks a lot for listening next week we have a brand new series that's launching as well i'm not going to tell you what it is you've got to listen to uh, to find out what we're talking about next week so hope to keep you guys with us if you haven't already please hit that subscribe button and thanks again for tuning in today thanks for listening to today's podcast you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com and don't forget to check out our facebook group by searching for winning with shopify on facebook over and out